deep dive into the WikiLeaks release of pilfered CIA documents. This story and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. That's actor Claude Rains portraying Captain Louis Renault in the 1942 classic film Casablanca, just before the, the croupier hands the Casablanca prefect his roulette winnings. Substitute the word hacking for gambling, and you get the reaction of some cybersecurity experts to WikiLeaks' release of thousands of documents that seem to lay open in detail the CIA's computer hacking techniques. To discuss the hack of America's Central Intelligence Agency, I'm joined by my colleague, ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Eric. How shocking and serious is the hack? Well, I think it surprised a lot of people that another one of America's intelligence agencies has had a severe breach. What was released was more than 8,000 documents that describe how the CIA conducts its offensive network operation. And this included ways to exploit browsers and mobile operating systems and desktop computers with the aim of implanting software that can be used for intelligence purposes. A former CIA director says that the revelations of the hacking techniques can be very harmful. Here's Leon Panetta speaking with CBS News. These leaks are incredibly damaging to uh, the ability of our intelligence people to do the job that they're supposed to do. It's not surprising that Panetta considers the leak damaging. Of course, knowing what exploits the CIA uses helps our adversaries in building defenses. Here's Ari Peretz. He's a senior fellow at the George Washington University Center for Cyber and Homeland Security. Peretz also spoke with CBS News. Every time a place like WikiLeaks blows uh, our ops, it means that the bad guys evolve and they use countermeasures to defeat uh, the abilities of the United States to spy on them. Aren't some of these stolen hacking techniques dated? And the fact that a smart TV can be used as a listening device has been known for years and the likes of Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and FBI director James Comey have publicly said they cover their computers' cameras with tape to prevent surreptitious recordings. Is this an overreaction to the hack? Eric, that's a fair assessment. A lot of computer security experts have looked at the documents and said that a lot of these techniques are already known. Smart TVs run on the Android operating system, and it's been well known that smart TVs have even been infected with ransomware. So a lot of the broad hacking techniques that are outlined in the documents have been well known by security researchers for years. With the CIA aware of all these vulnerabilities, shouldn't they have notified the manufacturers so they could patch them? So the release has brought up an old issue, and that's one where the U.S. government committed to a program seven years ago where it would inform technology companies of software vulnerabilities in their products. The program is known as the Vulnerabilities Equities Process, and the government basically committed to informing companies of flaws at some point. Now, the government left wiggle room to be able to use some of the vulnerabilities for ongoing intelligence operations. But there's been an ongoing debate over whether the government is disclosing these flaws fast enough to companies. And there's absolutely no transparency around the process either. Sometimes we will never find out when the government found out about a particular vulnerability. We would find out when it's patched, but we wouldn't know the gap in between. There's been ongoing tension between the government and the technology industry. Some people say that the government should immediately let companies know of flaws so they can fix them because it could pose a threat to national security and economic security. 
Now, there are others that say, well, this whole company should just more diligently monitor their products for vulnerabilities because there's no guarantee that an enemy hasn't discovered it already. It's a difficult debate. And what some of the documents highlighted that the CIA appeared to have purchased zero-day exploits, these are vulnerabilities that don't have a software patch, from other companies. There wasn't really evidence of this, but everybody suspected that this was the case. If these documents are indeed authentic, it would confirm that that's what the government does. Jeremy and I will pick up our conversation about the publication of CIA files by WikiLeaks in a moment. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. What I find most disturbing about this leak is that it seems the CIA did not have in place the proper controls to prevent the pilfering of the agency's hacking techniques. Do we have any idea how this happened or who perpetrated the deed? We don't really know. WikiLeaks put out a press release that indicated that these documents had circulated among government contractors for some time. So that kind of indicates an insider. But we also have to view this through the lens that the U.S. government believed that WikiLeaks was working or at least supplied with information by the Russian government uh, regarding the hack of the Democratic National Party. We have to be careful with what WikiLeaks says because it's difficult to verify. I think many believe that these documents did come from an insider, although, and there was a news report that indicated that the government has actually known that this material was floating around for some time. So the broad issue, though, for the U.S. government, obviously, is that this is another example of how somebody with deep access into an intelligence agency has leaked documents. Edward Snowden, a former NSA contractor, did it in 2013. Uh, Chelsea Manning, who was a uh, U.S. Army soldier, leaked documents prior to Snowden. And then even last year, we had Harold Martin, who was a longtime government contractor, hoarding documents in his car in his house, although those documents did not become public. So there's clearly a lot of concerns around the security controls around government contractors. Some of the people you mentioned are millennials. Here's uh, Michael Hayden. He's the former director of the CIA and National Security Agency and speaking with the BBC. And he speculated the leaker, if it was an inside job, could be a millennial. In order to do this kind of stuff, we have to recruit for a certain demographic. And I, I don't mean to judge them at all, but this group of millennials and, and, and re related groups simply have different understandings of the words uh, loyalty, and secrecy and transparency than certainly my generation did. And, and so we bring these folks into the agency, good Americans all, I can only assume. But again, culturally, they have different instincts than the people who made the decision to hire them. And we may be running into this different cultural approach that we saw with Chelsea Manning, with Edward Snowden, and now perhaps with a third actor. What do you think of Hayden's thesis? What Hayden says is, is kind of interesting. I mean, it's sort of what he's implying is that there's a sort of generational rift within the agency and that young people may not respect classified information in the same way that other people do. And I, I think his claim 
broadly just highlights a, a, maybe a generational shift, which probably present in any organization that employs people in their 20s and 30s and people in their 50s and 60s. Edward Snowden was a young guy. Chelsea Manning was a young guy. Harold T. Martin, on the other hand, was in his 50s. So I don't think you can necessarily say that, oh, this is a problem that we just have young people in our organization. The U.S. government has said for a long time that it needs to recruit new talent for its computer network operations. And that is going to involve uh, taking younger people. Absolutely. It kind of comes down to the government needs to really look at its access controls and figure out if it can trust the people that it's hired. Is the sky falling? We've always taken the approach that no, the sky is not falling. And I think there's a lot of hype in the marketplace. That's Cameron Camp addressing the rise of cyber attacks targeting Internet of Things devices. Camp is a security researcher and at the IT security firm ESET North America and recently spoke with Data Breach Today editor Matthew Schwartz, who joins me. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. Camp acknowledges an increase in IoT attacks, but he seems to believe enterprises can take steps to mitigate these digital assaults. What should organizations do to strengthen their defenses? Camp makes a really good point, which is the sky is not falling. And advice that we've long been hearing about DDoS attacks still stands, even in this age of massive IoT attacks. So much of the proper information security practices that we talk about today boil down to good planning. Whether it's ransomware or a data breach, knowing what you're going to do when your day goes from normal to awful is imperative. And the same goes for DDoS attacks. The first thing to know is that if you get attacked, have a relationship with your upstream providers is, is obvious that may sound to people in the IT kind of on the front lines. It's less obvious coming from the C-suite, from the managerial aspect that many of these situations come from, in the end, guy one on your organization calling guy two, who's his buddy at major network provider saying, hey, here's what we're seeing. You need to have that relationship. You need to cultivate those kinds of relationships. If they understand your business, they can know what it means to you and what the potential impacts are to you in specifically what parts of the puzzle need to come together quickly. So you have to prioritize your disaster recovery or mitigation such that you can continue to do business quickly and less important aspects of your business are more less time sensitive, less revenue sensitive. You can triage for now and then, and then deploy later as you get resources. From your interview with Camp, which can be found on databreachtoday.com, he suggested that many organizations remain vulnerable to attacks because they use old equipment, such as routers that function but lack the security to defend against the rapidly evolving threats. There are a couple of associated problems here. One of the big problems in the IoT space centers on small and medium-sized businesses. They've been conditioned to only update technology when there's a big upgrade or when they're forced to do so. It hits their pocketbook. That's not a surprise. Camp, for example, told me that there's a chateau near where he lives that only upgraded its ancient router because it accepts credit and debit cards and thus must go through a PCI compliance check and the router got flagged for non-compliance. That is a worry on two Two fronts. First of all, the router might be easy to infect with malware, thus to steal card data. But these sorts of routers that we have in homes and at businesses are easy prey for attackers who might want to install DDoS malware that we've seen in these record-setting IoT-driven DDoS attacks in recent months. 
We know the problem, but the problem is it's not a problem that we're going to be able to solve easily and certainly not overnight. When it takes just a few thousand routers to build your own DDoS attack army and every last town on the planet on average has at least a few thousand vulnerable routers, if not more, there's simply no easy fix in sight. That's why businesses must prepare their defenses now along the lines that Camp was articulating if they want to be able to better recover from these kinds of attacks should they become the victim. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.